ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him and I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger we would like to continue uh, with the study of the hadith from Umdat al-Ahkam based on the explanation of the sharh of Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Sali Ali Bassam in his book entitled Taysir Al-Allam Sharh Umdat al-Ahkam and we are now in the book of Salat, Kitab al-Salat under the chapter heading of Al-Imamah but before discussing the hadith of Al-Imamah concerning the role of Imam and those who are following him quickly inshallah we will just review the hadith of the previous subtitle entitled Bab al-Sufuf al-Sufuf or the lining up or making the lines for the Salat the first hadith we took from Bab al-Sufuf is hadith number 68 on the authority of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Anas ibn Malik may Allah be pleased with him said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said sawu sufufakum make your rows or your lines for the prayer straight and even فَإِنَّ تَصْوِيَةُ الصُّفُوفِ فَذَالِي making the lines straight and even مِنْ تَمَامِ الصَّلَاةِ is from the perfection or the completion of the salat يعني making the lines even and straight and closing the spaces in between the people who are praying this تَصْوِيَةُ الصُّفُوفِ it is part of the perfection or completion of the salat <coughs> the shaykh mentions concerning this hadith a number of rulings or ahkam or benefits the first of them is that it is legislated in Islam according to the sharia that we should make the lines straight and even for Salat making those who are lining up for the prayer as one straight line without anyone stepping forward or anyone stepping back no one should be ahead of the others nor behind them but everyone should be even on one straight line the second principle or point or ruling that is derived from this hadith is that 
making the line straight at Tasmiyah or the making of the line straight and even is a cause or a reason for the completion or the perfection of the prayer and if we want to make our prayers complete and perfect then one of the ways to make them complete is by making the lines straight and even for this reason it is considered to be mustahab beloved or commendable to make the line straight and this is the mazhab or the opinion or position of the jamhur the majority of scholars some of the scholars said that making the line straight is wajib obligatory not mustahab but wajib and they held this opinion based on the hadith the following hadith after this one in which it is reported that the Prophet said make your line straight either you will make your line straight or Allah will cause dissension between you or he will cause the ani some change in the faces of the people based on this stern statement from the Prophet they understood then that it is obligatory that it is obligatory wajib to make the lines straight also from this hadith it is understood that it is makroo or detestable it is something disliked or hated to allow the lines to be crooked and that allowing the lines to be crooked is an indication of imperfection or incompleteness of the salat that it is makro for the lines to be crooked number four the superiority or the virtues of salat in jama'ah in congregation is also indicated in this hadith due to the fact that the reward which one achieves for straightening the lines that reward is only achieved due to the fact that we are praying in jama'ah if we were not praying in jama'ah there would be no chance for us to get the reward of straightening the lines so straightening the lines is a rewardable act but that rewardable act is only achieved due to the fact that we are praying in jama'ah so this is also an indication that the prayer in jama'ah is a virtuous act and based on the reward that we receive when we straighten our lines while we are praying in jama'ah number five the last point he says that the hikmah or the wisdom uh, for the command to straighten the lines it is so that we would be in agreement and conformity with the manner in which the angels line up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is based on the hadith reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Jabir radiallahu anhu he said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came out to us and he said do you not or will you not make your lines straight as the angels make their lines straight in front of their Lord and will you not imitate the angels and make your lines straight as the angels make their lines straight in front of their, in front of their Lord in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we said oh messenger of Allah how do the angels make their lines straight in front of their Lord and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said complete the lines the first ones first 
and also close the spaces between those who are standing in the same line. Yeah, and you complete every line. No, a new line shouldn't be started until the line in front of it is completed. When it is completed, a new line may be started. That's the first thing, completing the lines, and the second thing is closing, closing the spaces between the people who are praying in the same line. The second hadith is hadith number 69, the hadith of Al-Nu'man ibn Bashir radiallahu anhu. قال, he said, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, لَتُسَنُّونَ صُفُوفَكُمْ أَوْ لَا يُخَالِفَنَّ اللَّهَ بَيْنَ وُجُوهِكُمْ That definitely you must make your lines straight. If not, then Allah will cause disfigurance or will disfigure your faces or cause يعني, confusion, disunity or disruption amongst the people. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim and in one of the narrations reported by Al-Imam Muslim he said that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to straighten the lines until it was, we, it was as though he was trying to make the lines so straight and perfect that he could straighten the arrow that is half from wood that he could straighten that arrow from the line of the people who were lining up for prayer this was so until he, that is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saw that we understood from him what was required and that we were doing it without him requesting it anymore then one day he came out and he stood up and he was about to make the takbir he was about to start the prayer by saying Allahu Akbar and he saw a man badiyan sadruhu يعني with his chest sticking out and he was protruding or stepping a little forward in front of the rest of the people in the line and at that time the Prophet said all servants of Allah you must certainly make your lines straight or if not then Allah will cause disfigurance of your faces or cause confusion or disruption between you from this hadith the shaykh mentions also five points the first of them is that the apparent meaning of the hadith or what we understand from the text or the uh, literal wording of the hadith we understand that it is wajib and from the literal meaning of this hadith we understand that it is wajib to straighten the lines and that it is haram or prohibited to make the lines crooked and this is due to the severe or serious threat contained in the statement of the Prophet that you must either make your lines straight or Allah will cause disfigurance of your faces or confusion between you. Here the Shaykh says, this is what you would understand from the literal meaning of the hadith, but there are some other authentic hadith which if taken into consideration seem to reduce the severity of the threat in this hadith and also seeming to transform the command of this hadith from being wajib to istihbab or mustahab yani that it is mustahab to straighten the lines and that it is makruh or disgusting, disgusting or distasteful or hated 
seriously and distasteful that we allow the lines to be crooked. This is based on another hadith, and we understand that the command to straighten the lines is not wajib, but a little less than wajib, it's mustahab, based on the hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّ تَسْوِيَةُ السُّفُوفِ مِنْ salat. Yani that verily making the lines straight is part of the perfection of the salat, which we can understand from that, that the salat would not be invalid, but it would not be perfect. That means that uh, it's not absolutely obligatory, but if we don't do it, then we lose something of the perfection or completeness of the salat and this uh, leads us yani, to the uh, ruling that the straining of the lines is mustahab yani, that it's highly recommended and encouraged and beloved but not necessarily wajib according to the two opinions the second point he said the uh, attention and care that the Prophet ﷺ gave to establishing the lines and making them straight. He himself used to take the responsibility to straighten the lines with his own hands. And this is an indication that straightening of the lines is the responsibility or the job of the Imam. Straightening the lines is the responsibility of the Imam. The third point is the general rule and the Shaykh mentions that the reward or recompense for something is like the action that the one does. It is similar to it. And this is understood from the fact that Allah has threatened those who fail to make the line straight. Uh, he threatens to also make difference between them between those people or to disfigure their faces and this is similar to the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran هَلْ جَزَاعُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ يعني is there any reward for الإحسان for goodness is there any reward for it except goodness and the fourth point the Shaykh mentions the anger of the Prophet وسلم, when he saw the lions in disarray this uh, indicates that it, we are warned yani, from doing such a thing if it provoked the anger of the Prophet then it is a warning from us from committing such an act and the last point he says uh, that in this hadith we also find the permissibility or an indication of the permissibility of the Imam speaking after the iqama has been pronounced between the iqama and the actual beginning of the salat it's permissible for the imam to speak if there's a need for such if there's a need for him to speak as did the prophet وسلم, the iqama had been pronounced and he was about to make the takbir and he noticed that someone was protruding their chest so he spoke and talked to the people and addressed them in order to correct the problem if there's a need for the imam to speak after the iqama it is permissible the next hadith Hadith number 70 is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu that his grandmother, but not the grandmother of Anas, but the grandmother of the narrator from Anas, uh, Ishaq ibn Abdullah ibn Abi Talha, his grandmother, the, the mother of Anas, Mulaika radiallahu anha, 
she invited the Prophet ﷺ for some food which she had prepared for him and he ate from it and then he said Stand, he told Anas and the orphan boy who was with him, stand up and I will lead you in prayer and then Anas anhu said, I stood up and went to a mat that I had, that we had in the house which had become blackened from its long use or from sitting for a long time and he sprinkled some, or I sprinkled some water on it and the Prophet stood up and Anas said that I and the orphan boy prayed, we made a line behind the Prophet and the elderly woman that is the grandmother of Ishaq and the mother of Anas she stood behind the boys and the Prophet led us in two rakah and then he left in the narration of, of Imam Muslim it is reported that the Prophet uh, led Anas in prayer and also his mother and he said that he stood me on his right side and the woman she stood behind us. And in the, in the narration of Al-Bukhari from Anas, he said, I, I and an orphan boy prayed in my house behind the Prophet and my mother, Um Sulaim, was behind us. From this hadith and the various narrations of this hadith, there are a number of points which the Shaykh mentions, but before that there is a point of difference of opinion. Uh, the point of difference of opinion is the correctness of making a line with a young boy, Sabi, that has not yet reached the age of puberty. The position of the Jamhur or majority of scholars is that it is correct to make a line with a small boy in both texts of Salat, the obligatory as well as the voluntary that it's permissible that someone may make a line with one person and that one person is a child, a small boy who hasn't reached puberty and they use as proof of their opinion the authentic hadith uh, that has been mentioned here which we just mentioned since Anas anhu described his companion or the boy who was with him as Yatim and as we said the definition in the Arabic language and in the Sharia of Yatim it means a person whose father has died before they reach the age of puberty this is an indication that the boy who was praying with Anas had not yet reached puberty and Anas made a line with him which shows the permissibility of making a line with one person even if that one person is a child who hasn't reached puberty the second opinion is the opinion of the Hanabila or the people of the Madhab of Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah and that is uh, that it is correct to make a line with a small boy in the nafil prayer or voluntary prayers only not in the obligatory prayers and they also use this same hadith as a proof because obviously this hadith, uh, the prayer that was performed was not an obligatory prayer, it was a voluntary prayer. So they said that it's permissible in the voluntary prayers, but not otherwise, not in the obligatory prayers. And we already mentioned in the beginning of this chapter that the rulings or regulations or guidelines for salat are general, for all types of salat, 
unless there is a particular dalil or proof or evidence showing otherwise. Yani, uh, excluding a particular ruling. Otherwise, the rulings for salat are general for obligatory prayers as well as voluntary prayers. And we apply that principle to this particular ruling, that the ruling is general for both obligatory as well as voluntary, unless there's a proof which shows that this ruling is only applicable to voluntary prayers. Otherwise, if there's no such proof, then it can be applicable to any type of prayer, whether obligatory or voluntary. Here the Sheikh says that the correct opinion is the opinion of the Jamhur, <coughs> and it is also the opinion of some of the scholars from the Hanbali Madhab, including Ibn Aqil and Ibn Rajab, Rahimahumullah. From this hadith, he mentions a number of rulings. The first of them is that it is correct to make a line in salat with a child that hasn't reached puberty. Number two, that it is preferable for the one who is following the imam that that person should stand behind the imam. And that the people who are following the imam, they should stand behind him. As for the women, the position of the women is behind the men. And the first row should be for the males, and the second row should be for the And if there are many more rows, then the first rows should be for the men, and the last rows should be for the women, as indicated in other hadith which we mentioned previously. Also from this hadith, we understand that it is correct for a woman to make a line by herself, alone. If there are no other women, she may line up behind the men. As a single individual, she may make a line alone. Although the general ruling is that no one should make a line, she stand in a line alone. But in that case, if there is no uh, other women, she may line up alone, as did uh, Um Sulaim, radiallahu anha, the mother of Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu anha. But if there are more women, then they must uh, make a line and stand together in a line. The next point he mentions is the permissibility of performing a voluntary prayer in congregation as a group. Even though congregational prayer hasn't been legislated for nawafil, voluntary prayers, congregational prayer hasn't been legislated for it, and the Prophet didn't ordinarily do it. But even if he did it on one occasion, it shows that it's permissible. If he did it even only one time, it shows that it's permissible. Though it's not necessarily legislated that when you pray nawafu prayer, you should make a jama'ah. Now normally, nawafu prayer, you should pray alone. But if on any occasion, people came together and they wanted to pray nawafu, purely voluntary prayer, and if they joined together in a group and had one person as the imam, there's no harm in it. It's permissible. Also, the permissibility of performing salat with the intention of teaching or for any other religious or beneficial reason. It's permissible to perform salat with the intention of teaching the people or for some other beneficial reason. As the Prophet ﷺ apparently did in this hadith to teach those young boys some things concerning the salat. As the Shaykh mentioned in his explanation of the hadith. 
The next point, he says, this hadith also indicates the humility of the Prophet ﷺ, the humility, that he was very humble. And this was a great characteristic of the Prophet ﷺ, and a, uh, yani it is a characteristic that the Muslims in general should try to emulate or imitate. Humility, tawadu'a. Also, in this hadith, we understand that it is mustahab, commendable or beloved to answer the invitation when someone invites you. Especially if answering the invitation brings about some good uh, or causes tranquility or peace in their hearts or happiness for the people, it's good to answer the invitations of the people. It's mustahab. Unless it is the walima or marriage, in that case, the marriage uh, celebration, it is obligatory to respond to that call unless you are unable to respond to it. And if there is the invitation for the marriage celebration is obligatory on a Muslim to respond to it. Other invitations, it's mustahab, it's recommended, it's beloved, but it's not obligatory. The next hadith, hadith number 71, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said that he spent the night with his aunt Maymuna radiallahu anha, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood up to perform the night prayer, and ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said, I stood up on his left side, فَأَخَذَ بِرَأْسِي فَأَقَامَنِي عَنْ يَمِينِي Then he said, the Prophet took him by his head and pulled him around to his right side. Uh, actually in the hadith in Bukhari, the wording is a little different than I just read it from the book, but actually in Bukhari the words are added that the Prophet stood up to perform the night prayer and I stood up to pray with him. And then I stood up on his left side and he took me by my, by my head and stood me on the right side. Concerning this hadith, there are a number of points derived from it, and also there is a point of difference of opinion. Concerning the difference of opinion, the well-known opinion of the madhab of Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, is that the salat of a follower who stands on the left side of the imam, while there is space on the right side, while he could have stood on the right side, if he stands on the left side, his salat is invalidated. The salat is invalidated. This is the opinion of, of the famous or well-known opinion of Imam Ahmed. That if the person who could have stood on the right of the Imam stands on the left instead, then that prayer is invalid. The second opinion, which is the opinion of the Jamhur or majority of scholars, including Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, and Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahumullah, may Allah have mercy on all of them, their opinion is that the salat is correct, it's acceptable. Even though the person who stood on the left side could have stood on the right side, the right, space, right side was open, the space was there, but they stood on the left side, they said that the prayer is still correct and acceptable. And there's also a report from Imam Ahmed, yani, that it has also been reported from him that he agreed with this opinion of the other Imams. 
And some of his students or the imams from the madhab of Imam Ahmed also held this opinion. And this opinion is based on uh, this hadith which we have just mentioned and its indication, the indication or the proof of this opinion in this hadith is very clear. Uh, because of the fact that Ibn Abbas he stood on the left side and he prayed part of the prayer on the left side and the Prophet corrected him and pulled him to the right side but he didn't invalidate the part of the prayer that he prayed in the wrong place and that proves that the prayer even in the wrong place though it is less rewardable or less complete or perfect uh, still it is acceptable and not invalidated all of the scholars he says here agree by ijma' that the preferable position for the follower if they are alone, if there are no other people following the Imam, only one person, the preferable position is to stand on the right. The difference of opinion is not concerning whether or not it is preferable, but the difference of opinion is concerning whether or not if the, someone prays on the left side, the prayer is still accepted or it's invalid. And the opinion of the Jamhur or majority of scholars and the correct opinion is that it's, the prayer is valid, though it's preferable to stand and more uh, rewardable to stand on the right side. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions first that it is afdal or preferable for the ma'amun, the one who is following the imam, to stand on the right of the imam if that person is alone. That it is preferable. Number two, that it is correct and acceptable if the ma'amun, the one who is following the imam, stands even on the left of the imam while the right is open or free. Since the Prophet ﷺ didn't invalidate, did not invalidate the Salat of Ibn Abbas while he had prayed part of his prayer, at least the beginning of it, on the left side of the Prophet ﷺ. Number three, that the Ma'amun, the follower who is alone, if they stood on the left side of the Imam, and then they realized their mistake or they were corrected, and they came to the right side of the Imam, they should come behind the Imam and not in front of the Imam as has been indicated in some authentic hadith including that which has been reported by Al-Bukhari that the one who stands on the left of the Imam if they correct themselves they should come from behind the Imam to his right side and not from in front of the Imam Number four that any action which someone does in the Salat if it was necessary for the correction of the Salat then there is no harm in doing that action. Whether movement, walking, turning, any action or movement in the salat, if it is done to correct the salat or for the correctness of the salat, then there is no harm in it. Also from this hadith, we understand that it is acceptable and correct to make a line with a small child. Yani an adult and a small child may stand together and make a line if there are no other people with them. Also, that it is legislated in Islam to make Salat al-Layl, the night prayer is legislated and that it is mustahab, it is commendable or recommended or beloved. As the Prophet ﷺ stood up in the night uh, in the house of Maymuna and performed the night prayer and Ibn Abbas performed it with him. Number seven, the eagerness and the effort that was made by Ibn Abbas uh, to achieve or to seek knowledge and then to implement or practice that knowledge. 
he went out of his way to watch the Prophet and وسلم, and to spend time with him even to the extent that when the Prophet وسلم, woke up in the night to pray Ibn Abbas was watching him and woke up or prayed with him, performed the prayer with him to know what he is doing in the night and also to join him in it not just to know about it but also to participate in it and finally he said that it is not a precondition it is not a sharq for the correctness of the position of Imam that he intend to be the Imam before he enters the Salat yani if someone didn't intend to be the Imam they intended to pray alone and then someone or some people came behind them and joined them in the prayer and made them the Imam the prayer or the Imam of that person is correct and it is acceptable even though when they entered the prayer they didn't have intention to be Imam yani the intention to be Imam is not necessarily a precondition if the person enters the prayer as a, as a, a praying alone uh, and then someone joined them and they became the Imam then it is acceptable and correct, there is no harm in such okay, the hadith for this evening under the chapter Bab Al-Imama Al-Imama first the Shaykh make some introductory remarks concerning Al-Imam or the position of Imam or the role of Imam and those who follow the Imam he said that in this chapter or this sub-chapter some of the uh, behavior or the manners of the Imam and the Ma'moom and the one who is following the Imam are mentioned and what is obligatory for each of them the Imam and the Ma'moom what is obligatory upon them and what is mustahab or commendable for them are mentioned under this chapter Al-Imam uh, and also it shows the relationship in this chapter there is some indication or some points related to the relationship between the two of them the Imam and those who are following him Al-Imama or Imamship or the role of Imam in Islam is a divine system that has been legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah has guided us to it uh, by his revelation and by the actions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam there are some yani, goals some lofty goals to be achieved from the imama and some objectives and from amongst them is obedience obedience also following following leadership especially training for obedience and following leadership in jihad and uh, organization and establishing systems particularly this is useful in military activities also here in this chapter there is some indication of where the young person should stand with the older person and shows that the young as well as the old, the rich as well as the poor the noble and others uh, all of them are equal in standing in the salat in ranks or in rows the first hadith the shaykh the first hadith that is mentioned by the author of Umdat al-Ahkam 
حديث نمبر 72 بحديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أما يخشى أحدكم أو لا يخشى أحدكم إذا رفع رأسه قبل الإيمان أن يجعل الله رأسه رأس همار أو يجعل الله صورته صورة حمار يعني أبو هريرة says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said isn't the one who raises his head comes up from ruku or from sajda before the imam afraid doesn't he fear that Allah will change his head to the head of a donkey or that Allah will make his figure or his face like the figure or the face of a donkey doesn't the one who does so fear shouldn't they fear that Allah might punish them and here the Prophet mentioned this punishment as a threat as a threat for the one who engages in such action This statement or this question from the Prophet ﷺ is meant to be a threat to make us to feel the severity of the prohibition of one raising up before the Imam. It's meant to make us to feel the severity of this prohibition. Here the Shaykh says, the general meaning of the hadith is that the Imam has been appointed or made to be followed in the Salat. The people should follow him. So that they should not make any movements until after the Imam moves and in this way we achieve al-mutaba'ah yani proper and correct following of the Imam no one should move until the Imam moves if any one of the followers precedes the Imam then that which is expected and requested and desired from the Imam or from having appointing an Imam that objective is lost if the people precede the Imam the purpose of having an Imam is that the Imam should be followed not that the people should precede him for this reason a severe threat has been mentioned here concerning the one who raised the head before the Imam that Allah might make their head like the head of a donkey or Allah might make their figure or their face like the figure of a donkey that Allah might transform their figure from its from its present features to to the ugly features of a donkey and this would be the reward or punishment Uh, it would be exhibited in that part of the body through which this uh, contradiction of the command of Allah has يعني, been enacted يعني, in other words the head if it is raised ahead of the Imam in contradiction to this prohibition from the Prophet وسلم, then the threat is that the punishment of that person would be in their head يعني, transformation of their head or their face to the head or the shape of a donkey the scholars discuss this hadith whether or not uh, the meaning here is literal 
transformation of the person's face or head to the face or head of a donkey or does it have another meaning that the nature or disposition of the person would be transformed to the nature or disposition of a donkey in any case uh, some of the scholars like Ibn Dhiqif al-Aid in his Sharh of Umdat al-Ahkam which is much more and expensive than the Sharh that we are using he discussed it in some detail and he said that there is no incident or no report of anyone who preceded the Imam in rising up from Ruku or Sajda that their head or their face was transformed into the form of a donkey this makes us to understand that perhaps the objective of these words of the Prophet was meant just to show the severity yani it was a threat it could really happen but it didn't happen as far as we know there were no case of it happening and then some of the scholars said this leads some of the scholars to hold the opinion that the meaning of this hadith is that Allah would transform the disposition or nature of that person to be like the disposition or the nature of a donkey yani the nature of, a, of the donkey is stupid and stubborn and that that person's nature or disposition might be changed to so by their actions which are uh, stubborn in resisting or avoiding or violating this prohibition and actually this is an action which indicates stupidity I think the Sheikh mentions this or did I read it somewhere else I'm not sure <laughs> in any case there is some ikhtilaf here concerning the scholars of whether or there's first of all there is agreement amongst the scholars that it is haram that it is prohibited to precede the imam that the followers should precede the imam this is prohibited by agreement of the scholars and that prohibition is based on the stern or severe threat in the words of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but the scholars differed whether or not the salat is invalidated if someone precedes the imam yeah, and it's prohibited but is the salat invalidated this is the point of which there's difference of opinion and the opinion of the majority of the jamhur is that the salat is not invalidated the opinion of the jamhur is that the salat is not invalidated but it is an act of disobedience it is a sin and it is something to be avoided the opinion of imam Ahmed as he mentioned in an essay he said لَيْسَ لِمَنْ سَبَقَ الْإِمَامِ صَلَاتِ that the one who precedes the Imam has no salat and the opinion of Imam Ahmed is that if someone precedes the Imam their salat is invalid and also those scholars from the madhab of Imam Ahmed also they said that whoever precedes his Imam in, in any of the important aspects of the salat such as ruku or sujood then that person should go back to the position that they came out of and they should wait for the imam and follow the imam in that action and if they didn't do so yani intentionally they refused to follow the imam and they preceded the imam uh, then their salat would become invalid the salat would be invalid the shaykh says the correct opinion is the opinion of Imam Ahmed that the one who intentionally precedes the Imam invalidates their salat and this is also the chosen opinion of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah due to the fact that the threat لِأَنَّ الْوَعِيدِ يَقْتَدِي أَنْ نَحْيِي because this threat 
indicates prohibition. And a prohibition indicates fasad or the invalidation of the act that is prohibited. This is a qaida or a asl of usul. It is a principle, a basic principle in usul. As many of the scholars mentioned, though there is difference of opinion about this point, but many of the scholars said so, and including amongst them it's uh, Sheikh Muhammad uh, Ibn Uthaymeen in his book Al-Usul Min Ilm Al-Usul. In that book, under the chapters of Al-Amr Al-Nahi, Commands and Prohibitions, he said that the prohibition indicates uh, the thing which has been prohibited, that it is haram, and that that act is invalid. And if Allah, if, if, if Allah has prohibited something, or the Prophet وسلم, prohibited something, then the, his prohibition, his saying, don't do such, it indicates that that thing is haram. And it also indicates that the act, if someone does that act, the act is invalid. It is and invalid. So here, based on this principle that many of the scholars, though they didn't agree, some scholars said that uh, a, 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 a prohibition of a matter indicates that it's haram, but it doesn't necessarily indicate that the act becomes invalid. Some of the scholars said that it does not necessarily indicate that the act is invalid. In any case, it's the opinion of Imam Ahmed and the opinion of some of the contemporary scholars that uh, it also indicates the act which has been prohibited is invalid and one of the proofs that they use is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reported by Aisha radiallahu anha in the Sahih of Muslim it is reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa radd whoever does any action that is not in accordance with our deen or that which we have that which Allah has ordered or which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has ordered fahuwa radd that it is rejected, it is mardud, it is rejected. Whoever does any act that is not in accordance with the amr of Allah and the amr or the command of the Prophet wasallam, then it is rejected. So they said based on this hadith that whatever is not in agreement with the command of the Prophet wasallam or the command of Allah certainly it is not in accordance with what Allah has commanded. If Allah prohibited it, then it is not in accordance with what Allah commanded and therefore it is rejected. That means it is invalid. In any case, there is difference of opinion on this point. Uh, some of the scholars held this opinion. Uh, the majority of scholars held the opinion that the act is prohibited but it is not invalid. The minority opinion is that whoever precedes the Imam, since it has been prohibited, then their salat becomes invalid because they are doing something that is prohibited and the thing which is prohibited is also rejected. From this hadith, the shaykh mentions a number of points from amongst them. Uh, the prohibition of raising one's head from sajda or from ruku, from prostration or from bound. It is prohibited to raise one's head before the imam. And the threat in this hadith indicates that it is prohibited. Since there is no uh, yani there is no threat from Allah or from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam except in those things that they have that Allah has prohibited.
And in this hadith, the person has been uh, threatened with the transformation of their head or of their face. And this is a severe threat or severe punishment. Also, the second point he says that not only is it prohibited to rise, to raise one's head before the Imam from Ruku or Sujood, but from this you might also understand coming under this heading is preceding the Imam in any act of the Salat. Not only coming up from Ruku or Sujood, but preceding the Imam in any act of the Salat that by Qiyas you can understand that it is also prohibited. Not only that, but Beyond Qiyas, there is an authentic hadith that is reported by Al-Imam Al-Bazzar in his Musnad. Uh, and a similar report came from in Ibn Abi Shayba. Uh, the hadith of Abu Hurairah, anhu, which he attributed to the Prophet وسلم, saying, الَّذِي يَخْفَضُ وَيَرْفَعُ قَبْلَ الْإِمَامِ Whoever bows or rises up before the Imam, إِنَّمَا نَاصِيَتُهُ بِيَدِ shaytan. Then his forelock is in the hand of shaytan. Whoever bows or rises up before the Imam, then his forelock is in the hand of shaytan. And this makes us to understand then that preceding the Imam, not only in rising, but also in bowing, or in any other position in general, uh, whoever precedes the Imam, this is prohibited. Also from this hadith, the obligation of the ma'amun, the follower, to follow the imam in the salat. And that it is obligatory for the follower to follow the imam. And also from this hadith, that the reward for a thing is like the action itself. And this is understood from the fact that the one who raises his head ahead of the imam would be rewarded or they have been threatened at least with the punishment of transforming their head to the shape of a donkey or their face in the shape of, shape of a donkey and the reward for a thing is like the action itself and that's in good and bad number five that the one who precedes the imam has been threatened with transformation of their figure or their face uh, due to the similarity between that person and a donkey in their stupidity there is a similarity or comparison between that person and the donkey and that similarity or comparison between them is stupidity because the one who because the one who precedes the imam while he knows that he cannot get out of the salat before the imam and even if he makes wuku before the imam in the end of it he still has to wait for the imam he cannot make taslim before the imam so what is the benefit? this is like and this is an indication of stupidity that the person would raise the imam in the salat knowing that in the end of the salat he has to wait for the imam anyway uh, so there is no benefit from such and this indicates stupidity and the weakness of the intellect of such a person and the next point he says the person who precedes the Imam their hastiness yeah, and their preceding the Imam is an indication of their hastiness to get out of the Salat yeah, and preceding the Imam is an indication that the person is in a hurry to get finished from the Salat they just want to get through the Salat as quickly as possible to get out of it and get away from it and this is a sickness 
and its cure is that the one who does such should be reminded or should remind themselves that they would never be able to make taslim before the imam they would never be able to get out of the salat before the imam and if they remind themselves that then it would help them to restrain themselves and not to race with the imam but to follow him uh, finally naam finally the shaykh says the threat with the transformation of the figure or the face of the one who raised the head before the imam to the shape or form of a donkey is a matter that is possible but we don't have any report of any such thing happening and it is also possible that the meaning here might be uh, not necessarily transforming the shape or form of that person to the form of a donkey but transforming their nature or disposition to the nature or disposition of a donkey and here is the indication of the, char- the main characteristic of the donkey of stupidity or stubbornness the next hadith what time is it? Huh? 22 after Oof. The next hadith or the next two hadith which came together, hadith number 73 and 74, the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامِ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِي That verily the imam has been made or has been appointed to be followed. فَلَا تَخْتَلِفُوا عَلَيْهِ So don't differ with him or conflict with him or get out of line with the imam. فَإِذَا كَبَّرَ فَكَبِّرُوهُ Whenever the Imam makes takbir, then you should make takbir. Say, Allah Akbar, Allah is the greatest. وَإِذَا رَكَعَ فَرْكَعُوهُ And whenever the Imam makes wuku or bowing, then you should bow. وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ And if the Imam says, Allah listens to the one who praises him, فَقُولُوا Then you should say, رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ Our Lord, for you is the praise. وَإِذَا سَجَدَ فَسْجُدُوهُ And if the Imam makes prostration, then you should prostrate. وَإِذَا صَلَّى جَالِسًا فَصَلُّوا جُلُوسًا أَجْمَعُونَ And if the Imam prays sitting, then all of you should also pray sitting. And in the narration of Bukhari, he said, وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّفْ فِي الصَّلَاةِ And establish the lines in the prayer, فَإِنَّ إِقَامَةَ فَإِنَّ إِقَامَةَ الصَّفْ مِنْ حُسْنِ الصَّلَاةِ the establishment of the lines is part of the goodness of prayer. In the next hadith number 74, which came with this hadith, is hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. May Allah be pleased with her. She said, Salla Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi baytihi wa huwa shakin. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed in his house while he was sick. Fasalla jalisan. So he prayed sitting due to his sickness. وَصَلَّى وَرَاءَهُ قَوْمٌ كِيَامًا And some people prayed behind him, but they prayed standing. فَأَشَارَ إِلَيْهِمْ The Prophet ﷺ pointed to them, indicating to them, أَنِجْلِسُوا That they should sit. فَلَمَّا أَنْصَرَفَ So when the Prophet ﷺ came out of the prayer, قال, he said, إِنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامِ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِي Verily the Imam has been made to be followed. فَإِذَا رَقَعَ فَرْكَعُوا So when he bowed, then you should bow. وَإِذَا رَفَعَ فَرْفَعُوا And if he raises up, then you should raise up. وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدًا And if he said that Allah listened to those who praise him, فَقُولُوا Then you should say, رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ 
O oh, our Lord, for you is the praise. وَإِذَا صَلَّ جَالِسًا فَصَلُّوا جُلُوسًا أَجْمَعُونَ And if he prays, sitting, when all of you should pray, sitting. The first point the Shaykh mentions is that the fa in this hadith, يعني concerning the Imam, إِذَا رَكَعَ فَرْكَعُوا If the Imam bows, فَرْكَعُوا Then you should bow. And if he raises up, فَرْكَعُوا Then you should raise up. This fat indicates two things. التَّرْتِيب وَالتَّعْقِيب التَّرْتِيب It means the order. That you should do it after him. And التَّعْقِيب Means that you should do it immediately after him. تَرْتِيب indicates order. That once something is done after another thing. But it also indicates تَعْقِيب Fat indicates تَعْقِيب That it should be done immediately after. So from this we understand that the person should not precede the Imam, nor should they delay a long time after, after the Imam. But after the Imam moves, without a long delay, the person should move after the Imam. Yani once the Imam reaches the next position, then the people should immediately, without delay, follow him. This is indicated by fair. Here the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith, or these two hadith, is that there is a description here of how the follower should follow or imitate the Imam. The Prophet guided the Ma'amumin, the followers, to the wisdom for which the Imam has been placed as Imam and it is so that he should be followed, that the people should follow him. So we should not oppose the Imam or differ from him in any of the actions of the Salat. But in fact we should follow the Imam in all of his actions, yani in a systematic way. Exactly when the Imam does something we should also do like the Imam. So when the Imam makes Takbiratul Ihram to begin the prayer, then the people should also make Takbiratul Ihram. And when the Imam makes Wuku, they should bow. And when he reminds them that Allah answers the one who praises him by saying, Sayyidina Allah, Imam Hamidah, when he reminds us that Allah answers those who praise him, then we should praise Allah by saying, Rabbana lakal hamd, or Rabbana walakal hamd. وَاللَّهُمَّ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ أَزَدْ مِنَا in different hadith and when the Imam makes sajda then we should follow him and make sajda and if he prays sitting due to his inability to stand then we should also follow him and pray sitting even if we are capable or able to stand that's what's indicated in this hadith as the Shaykh mentions in the general understanding of the hadith since Aisha mentioned that the Prophet وسلم, was sick and he prayed sitting for that reason, when the companions came, they thought that since they were not sick and they were capable of standing, that they should pray standing. They saw him sitting, but they didn't follow him in sitting. Since they were capable of standing, they thought that they should stand. So they prayed behind him standing, but the Prophet pointed to them and indicated that they should sit. So when the Prophet finished the prayer, he guided them to the fact that the people should never conflict or differ with the Imam but that they should be in agreement with the Imam in everything so that the mutada'a and iqtida'a following the Imam and imitating the Imam would be complete and perfect so that even the followers should pray sitting while they are capable to stand if the Imam prays sitting due to his inability the people who follow him even though they are able they should also pray sitting this is what's understood from this hadith although the scholars differ about this point. The difference of opinion is lengthy. I don't know if we will finish it, but in any case, uh, let us mention 
some of it. The first point of difference of opinion is concerning, there are two points of difference of opinion here. There are two different points, two issues. The first of them is that the scholars differed about whether or not someone following an imam can be praying obligatory prayer while the imam is praying a voluntary prayer. And the first opinion is the opinion of the Malikiyah and Hanafiyah, the people of the madhab of Imam Malik Imam Abu Hanifa and also it is the most well-known opinion of the Hanabila, the people of the madhab of Imam Ahmed. Their opinion is that it is not correct. It is not permissible for a person who is praying obligatory thought prayer to pray behind an imam who is praying a voluntary prayer. And they use this hadith as a proof, the saying of the Prophet, the very the imam has been made to be followed, so don't differ with him. They said, don't differ with him. If the imam is praying voluntary prayer, then you also have to be praying likewise voluntary prayer. Yani your intentions also are part of this. This is the first opinion. They said that the fact that the ma'amun, uh, the follower, is praying an obligatory prayer while the imam is praying a voluntary prayer, this is mukharifa. This is the difference between them in niya, and this is the most important type of difference of opinion, since all actions are based on niya or intentions. The second opinion is the opinion of al-Shafi'i, al-Awza'i, and al-Tabri, rahimahumallah. They said that the prayer of a follower who is praying an obligatory prayer behind an imam who is praying a voluntary prayer is correct and acceptable. And there is also a report from Imam Ahmed that he held a second opinion in agreement with this. And some of the scholars of the Hanbali Madhab, the followers of Imam Ahmed, some of them, like uh, Al-Imam Ibn Qadama and Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim, they also agreed with this second opinion that the Salat with the person who has a different intention, one having the obligatory intention, the other voluntary intention, they said that this salat is acceptable and this is based on the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu, the hadith which is reported in Bukhari and Muslim, كان يصلي مع نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم يرجي فيصلي بقومه تلك الصلاة. This is the hadith which we mentioned previously and on another occasion that Mu'adh used to pray with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم the prayer in congregation, then he would return to his people, to his area, and he used to lead the people in the same prayer that he had already performed with the Prophet ﷺ, which means that he had one intention, and the people who were following him had a different intention. And the most correct opinion is that his intention, when he was leading his people in prayer, was that he was praying a voluntary prayer, because he had already performed that prayer with the Prophet ﷺ, and it's unlikely that he would have performed the prayer in Jama'ah with the Prophet, while the Prophet was praying a obligatory prayer and he would make intention to pray voluntary prayer. He would have made intention to follow the Prophet ﷺ in that prayer completely and after he performed he went back to his people and he was the Imam of his people, he used to lead them in prayer but the second time when he performed the prayer it was voluntary while his people were performing uh, obligatory prayer. This is the proof of the people who have the second opinion that the Imam and the follower can have a different opinion. They also use as proof a hadith which reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salla bi ta'ifa min ashabihi fi salat al-khawf rak'atayni thumma sallama thumma salla bi ta'ifa al-ukhra rak'atayni thumma sallama Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam led a group of his followers in prayer in the salat al-khawf the fear prayer on the battlefield Then he made tasleem, he finished the prayer and another group came in the place of the first group and he led them in prayer and then he made his likewise. 
obviously one of those prayers he made intention as voluntary prayer and the other one as a uh, obligatory prayer while the people who prayed with him in both groups they were praying obligatory prayers but he had intention in one of those prayers to pray the obligatory prayer and in the other one a voluntary prayer he, did, he didn't repeat the same prayer twice with the same intention that it is obligatory on both occasions and this is also a proof that the imam may have one intention and the people following him may have a different intention and here those who held, held this opinion said that the other people, their proof that the imam is made to be followed, therefore don't oppose him. They said the meaning here, فَلَا تَخْتَلِفُ عَلَيْهِ Don't oppose him or contradict him, it means in the actions of the prayer, not in intentions. And this is also indicated in the text of the hadith. All the narrations of this hadith indicate that the Prophet ﷺ said that when the imam makes takbir, makes takbir. When he says Allah Akbar, say Allah Akbar. When he bows, bow. When he prostrates, prostrate. When he says, Sami Allah al-Iman Hamidah, say Rabbana Nakalham. Yani, the sayings and actions of the Prophet, he said, follow the imam in that. But he didn't say anything about intention, which seems to support the opinion of the second group, who said that it's permissible for the people to have one intention and the imam to have another intention. The second matter about which the difference of opinion concerns the Imam sitting and the people following him, should they also sit, though they are capable of standing? And if the Imam is sitting because he is ill or incapable of standing, but the people are capable of standing, should they stand or should they sit? Concerning this issue, the first opinion is the opinion of the Zahiriya and Al-Imam Al-Awza'i and Al-Imam Ishaq ibn Raqaway, Rahimahumullah, may Allah bless you and all of them, they held the opinion that the followers should, if they pray behind an imam who is incapable of standing, that those followers should pray sitting, even though they are capable of standing. And they, they should follow the imam exactly. The imam is sitting, then you must also sit. You must follow the imam. And they use as proof these two hadith which we just mentioned. That the Prophet ﷺ led the people in prayer on one occasion, and the people were capable of standing, but he told them sit. He was sitting, so he told them to sit. They said, this is the proof that the people have to sit if the Imam is sitting. They have to follow the Imam. The second opinion is the opinion of the two Imams, Abu Hanifa and Ash-Shafi'i, rahimahumullah, the Allah have mercy on both of them, and other scholars also, and that is the opinion that it is not permissible for the follower who is capable of standing to sit with the Imam who is incapable of standing. And the Imam is sitting because he cannot stand. But the followers, if they can stand, it's not permissible for them to sit, but they must this is the second opinion, the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahimahullah, and Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahullah, and other scholars. And they use as proof the fact that the Prophet wasallam prayed. He led the people in prayer in his final illness. When he was on his deathbed, he led the people in prayer sitting. While Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and the people who were following him prayed standing. Yani the Prophet was leading the prayer sitting, but Abu Bakr who was beside him and the people who were behind him were praying standing. They said this is a proof that if the people are capable of standing, they should stand. And they answered the two hadith of this chapter here, of the first group, by, by a number of answers. The best answer or response that they gave to them are two. One of them, they said that the hadith that we have mentioned and similar hadith indicate that the salat of the one who is sitting due to inability to stand that that salat is correct uh, <coughs> while uh, the one who is capable of standing is sitting that this particular ruling has been abrogated yani that the imam who is incapable of, of, of standing 
if the people follow him are capable of standing that they sit, it has been abrogated. That this ruling, they said, it has been abrogated by the hadith of the final illness of the Prophet when he led the people sitting and they followed him standing. Now, they said this hadith abrogates that one. Huh? 
we cannot make any reconciliation between the two apparent contradictory evidences. If we can make reconciliation between them, show that yani, there is some way that they can come into agreement, then we should do so. We shouldn't immediately resort to uh, abrogation. This is the original rule that's accepted in Usul al-Fiqh and also accepted in Mustalah Hadith by the scholars of Hadith. So Imam Ahmed says that we shouldn't call this matter a matter of abrogation as long as we are capable of making jam or, or reconciliation between the two evidences then it is obligatory on us to do so so that we do not abrogate or negate either of them but keep both of them in effect this is the, the, I mean, the first um, uh, I mean, method of solving an apparent contradiction okay uh, the second answer I mean, we, this, we didn't yet discuss the opinion of Imam Ahmed, what is his opinion concerning this matter, but we're just saying here that he rejected this first response of the second group to the first group. They said that your hadith are abrogated. Imam Ahmed said, no, we don't accept the idea that those hadith are abrogated. So far he is not with the first group or the second group. The second answer of the second group, they said concerning the hadith that we have mentioned here, of the people being commanded by the Prophet ﷺ to sit in the prayer because he was sitting. And the second answer that they gave, they said that some of them said that these hadith indicate something of taqsis. Yani this is a special matter related to the Prophet wasallam that he could, uh, that if he was sitting in the prayer, that the people following him should also sit. That this is peculiar and particular for the Prophet alone. That's what they said. They said, no, you shouldn't sit. That was something special for the Prophet and it's not proper for anyone to do it after him. They said, you have to stand. Okay, so their second answer is that this was special. This case that mentioned in this hadith was special for the Prophet In fact, Imam Malik Rahimahullah, and one of the students of Abu Hanifa, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, Rahimahullah, also they have the opinion that if the person who is capable of standing prays behind an imam sitting, and they sit, that their prayer is invalid. They said it's invalid. This is the opinion of Imam Malik and Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, the student of Abu Hanifa. those who said that this is a special case for the Prophet their proof is the hadith that was reported by a Shabi, one of the great scholars of hadith. He reported that hadith from Jabir, radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet said, لا يؤمن أحد بعدي جالسا That no one should be an imam, should lead the people in prayer after me sitting. Yani no one after me should lead the people in prayer while that imam is sitting. He shouldn't do so. This is their proof. They said this is a proof that this sitting imam was a special feature or characteristic that was allowed for the Prophet alone and not for others after him. No one should do this after me. The answer of those who had the opposing opinion, they said that your hadith is not acceptable. <laughs> it is not authentic. The hadith, first of all, is mursal. It doesn't have a complete chain. And it has a broken chain, which means the hadith is rejected. And in addition to that, one of the reporters in the Isma'at is Matruq. Matruq, that means he was of the lowest degree of narrators. And his hadith was completely unacceptable. No one would accept his hadith. So for that, they said that your claim of taqsis, that this is special for the Prophet based on this hadith, 
you have no basis because your hadith is rejected. And Imam Ibn Dhiqiq al-Aid, who also gave an explanation of Umdat al-Ahkam, the book that we are studying, he gave an explanation of that book. Ibn Dhiqiq al-Aid says that the original ruling, this is an awful of usul al-fiqh, the original ruling is that we should not claim takhsis or takhsis or say that anything is especially for the Prophet takhsis, say this is a special feature for the Prophet, we should never make such a claim unless there is a clear proof of it. So where is the clear proof? There is no clear proof, no authentic hadith, so we cannot make such a claim. The claim is rejected. Not only that, but that we hadith which they are using is contradicted by uh, the more authentic hadith which has been recorded in the Sunnah of Yahoo that will say in Hussein,
في نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم This is يعني the third point. They said the Imam is standing with the people who are capable of continuing the prayer standing even if the Imam is doing the prayer began to sit. But if the Imam began the prayer sitting, then the people who stand behind or the people who are behind them should also pray sitting. And this is Mustafa. That they should pray sitting. If the Imam began sitting and they join him, then they should also pray sitting. And this is based on the first two hadith which we mentioned, the hadith that mentioned by the author here. And this is an means of acting on both hadith. Yeah, I mean, in one case, the Prophet began to pray sitting. So the people followed him and they, he told them to sit. In the other case, the Imam, who was held up at that time due to the Prophet's illness, began to pray standing, and later, during the prayer, the Prophet came. And he continued to give the prayer for the city, then the people following behind him raised his hand. So they said, We will act on these hadith and we will act on these hadith. Whoever is in the situation, as those who are in the situation when the Prophet began to pray the city, then they pray the city. Whoever is in the situation when the Imam began standing, as it was in the case of the family of the Prophet, then those people should continue standing. And in this way, we don't advocate or negate any of the hadith, but we act on all of them. And this is called the Jabba of Tawfiq, the reconciliation between apparent contradictory texts. And there's no doubt, the Shaykh says there's no doubt that when we are capable of making reconciliation, that this is the best thing for us to do, not to any separation or any other matter. And this opinion of the combination of reconciliation of both opinions was also considered to be a strong opinion uh, by the Hafiz of the and he mentioned that this opinion of being that made a strong opinion. So these are the two opinions that the one thing that you have to sit with Imam, the other thing you cannot sit if you are capable of standing. The third thing, depending on the circumstances, if Imam began standing, then you should continue standing even if he becomes incapable during the prayer, and if Imam began sitting, then you should pray sitting. This is a difficult issue, no doubt, and it requires some examination and some reflection uh, before one should determine which opinion they think is the strongest. But in any case, you should act on the opinion that you see as being the strongest after examining the opinion and the evidence of each of them and reflecting on it. Then the opinion that you think is strongest what you should act on. But yeah, I mean, try to have the issue clear in your mind in case it should happen. And realize that we find ourselves in the situation that at least if we take an opinion, we can explain our opinion and give the evidence of our opinion so that the people will not be in confusion. Because most of the people won't know the issue, they won't know what to do. So somebody should be present who has an opinion that's based on the evidence who can bring in clarity so that there's not confusion. From this hadith, the Sheikh mentioned a number of rulings, the first of them, that it is why it is obligatory for the followers to follow the Imam in the action of the Salah and that it is forbidden to precede him in any action. There is a difference to follow in all his actions and it is forbidden to precede him in any action. The second point uh, is a point of the difference of opinion that the Sheikh uh, I understand Allah. His opinion is that from this hadith we also may derive the prohibition of contradicting the Imam in any action and that whoever does so that their salat is invalid. If anybody does any action in conflict or in contradiction to the Imam, 
then for sure, forget it. But after what I have to say, I think that this is the point that I was opinion. The opinion of the chair that the salary is invalidated, anyone who contributes to the mental reaction. The third point is that the preferable situation is that those who follow the Imam should perform every action that the Imam performs after him. Not with him, not only not between him, but not even along with him, but after him. It should be after him, and secondly, it should be easy after him, not with a long delay. Sometimes some people make sense, they want to make a long sense, make a lot of supplications, and they learn people from sense, and the people stay in sense. Sometimes so long until the event goes back to sense, and then the person is finally coming up. This is wrong. Not only you cannot precede the Imam, but you shouldn't delay after the Imam. When the Imam moves to the next position, the people who follow the Imam, they follow him. When he moves to the next position, we should all move to the next position. As the Prophet comes up in a separate Imam, then you also, then Sabiya indicates that it comes after, and then it comes immediately after. Leave all actions the same in the Salat in general. that to move along with the Imam at the same time as the Imam does anything in the interaction with the Salat is not true. That is to bow at the same time with the Imam, not at him, but with him. To make sense along with him, not at him, but at the same time, that this is not true. And in fact, yeah, I mean, we should follow the Imam. Also, a point of course, the difference of opinion here, the Sheikh says we also derive from this Hadith, that if the Imam is sitting due to his inability to stand, the people who are behind him should pray sitting, even though they are capable of standing. And this is to achieve and to realize the al-Mufaqa'ah following and imitating the Imam. And if the Imam sits, then we should pray sitting in order for us to really follow the Imam properly. We should do whatever he does in every case he makes to be sitting. And of course, we discussed the different things about this in three opinions. Also, in this hadith, that the ma'ilm or the power should say, Rabbana la'ahm, at the time when the Imam says, or after the Imam says, Sami Allah wa Muhammad. The Imam Sami Abdullah, who is a Nazi scholar, said in his discussion concerning these matters of this, and his explanation of Murat al I don't know that there is any difference of opinion concerning this matter that whoever is praying alone, not with Imam or Imam who is praying alone, that they should say, Sani Allah with Alhamdulillah, and they should also say, Rabbana wa Alhamdulillah. The one who is praying alone should say both of these things. Ashaq al-Hajjah says, As for the Imam, he says, Sani Allah with Alhamdulillah, and he also says, Rabbana wa Also, the permissibility 
of pointing in the salat if there's a need. And it's permissible if a person is in salat and there's a need to point, they might point. It doesn't invalidate the prayer, especially for the case of women. Perhaps, yeah, I mean, the woman who is praying at home, uh, something may be happening, she might point to one of the children to do something. Stop playing or be careful from the kitchen or catch one of the small children who might be doing something. She may wait and even if necessary, she may even talk if it is a necessity. But in this hadith, it is indicated the permissibility of the al-ishara, waiting if there is a need in the prayer. And that also the general rule that there is a need. And for necessity, it's permissible to move in the salat, to pray in the salat, or to do it out. Also in this hadith, there is an indication of the, or an application of the necessity of following the demand. And that following the demand takes precedence over other acts in the salat. Following the demand has priority or precedence over everything else. And, and this is proven by the fact that the followers who are capable of standing were ordered by the Prophet to sit in order that they might follow him in every action that he did in the prayer. Yeah, I mean, even though those people were standing and told to sit, this means that following the demand has more priority over everything else. Even though the PM Salat is one of the arcane or the pillars, the necessary pillars of Salat, still the Prophet told him to sit, and that was for no other reason than to perfect uh, their imitation or following of the demanded action in the prayer. Also, from this hadith, there is an indirect point that the Shaykh derives here, and it is obedience to leadership. Obedience to leadership. And obedience to those of authority amongst the Muslims. And following the nizam of the system, and if the nizam of Salah extends into the society, that we should have a system that there should be leadership and the people should follow the leadership. Of course, as long as the leader, as obedience to the leader, as long as the leader doesn't tell us to do something in disobedience to Allah. And if there's no obedience to any created being in disobedience to Allah. But the general rule is that we should have a system as we have in Salah, and there should be leadership and power, and we should follow that system and obey the leader and not oppose or contradict the leadership. We should not contradict the Iman and the action in the Salah. So also in the society, we should obey our leaders and follow the Islamic system, that the Islamic system is established in our society. And that these aspects of the practices are divinely legislated rulings and legislation which are to train us and to teach us at Samar or Far, hearing and obeying, and the right way of following and sticking together. Uh, and that we should understand that these things of following the Iman, uh, praying together in Jama'ah, that these things are something when we do them as an act of worship, then it becomes an act of worship. That is all part of the Iman or praying in the Jama'ah. And if the measure of Allah doing it as an act of worship, then it is rewardable by Allah. When he supplicates, he makes dua that Allah grants success to the Muslims to have good understanding of the deen and to follow the deen in all of our lands of life and to unite the land for the rank of the Muslims and to raise the uh, 
زمان الاستاذين الله تكلم المسلم تبين ثلاثة إلى الله أكبر أو المسلم in the world. He said that the good or the hate is only in sticking together and having understanding and cooperation between the people and the shout for evil is in separation and differences and argumentation. And in Salat Kitizah, to unite, to be together, to cooperate with another and the opposite of that is evil. Then he mentioned the Ayah Quran, the Aqeerullah, the Rasulah, the Tanazahu, فَتَشْهَدُوا وَتَذْهَدُوا رِيْحُكُمْ وَاصْبِرُوا فِي اللَّهِ مَصْرَابِينَ We should obey Allah, obey Allah and obey the Messenger and don't argue and dispute because differences 